Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission, to harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms, to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership, saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy, happy Friday. Happy Fourth of July. How long has it been? How long has it been since it's been the three of us? I feel like it's been a while. It's been a while. I missed you. I know. We missed you, too. As I was saying before we started recording, Brian and Brett's quarantine hair, haircuts, <laughs> and facial hair stylings are starting to look more and more alike. Probably all men's. All men's of our age are probably starting to look a bit, a, bit, a bit similar. As I told Brian, it's like twins, only he's Arnold and I'm Danny DeVito. So <laughs> it all works out. Um, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's been getting me through this week is a little video game on the PlayStation 4 called The Last of Us Part 2. Because what better way to escape a pandemic than to play a video game about an even worse, more... Scary pandemic, <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun, uh, if you could say that. So the premise of the game is it takes place around 25 years after a fungal outbreak pretty much wipes out most of the U.S. Um, and so everybody is living now in settlements in different parts of the country, and they're basically just kind of fighting for themselves, fending, fending for themselves, all while there are these zombies that are roaming around. So... You play as Ellie, who is a 19-year-old girl that um, a lot of people remember from the first game because players were escorting her across the country uh, because she held what would have been a potential cure for this outbreak. So part two takes place a few years after the end of that game, and it basically just follows her, Ellie and Joel, who was got basically the, her companion that was helping her get across the country. Um, they're living in Wyoming in a settlement, and so... Um, a very traumatic event happens, and so she leaves the settlement to just basically follow through on on what happened and resolve everything there. So I don't want to give too much away because it's a pretty big uh, spoiler. Um, it's a lot of fun. It, 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 it's, it's entertaining. It's very intense. Um, it's kind of heavy, and it's kind of weird playing it with everything going on now, but I still... And finding the story, you know, the story is really fascinating. I think the way they treated both characters is really well done. And it's just as depressing and as heavy as the subject matter is, I still found myself wanting to play it and, and finish it through. And, you know, I'm really glad I did. It was it's a very great experience. 
I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. Although, what's getting me through this week is uh, DC's Stargirl, which is, I guess, it's on, I, I've been watching screeners of it. I, I think it's on CW yeah. and DC Universe until that goes away finally and turns into HBO Max. Um, but it's kind of fun. I, I like it. It's about a teenage girl who moves to like the mi- Midwestern town and, fi- and she thinks her her dead dad might be a superhero and she gets she inherits this cosmic staff of Starman who used to be in the um Justice Society of America who her dad he, she thinks her dad's Starman but now she gets this cosmic staff she becomes Stargirl and it's kind of like this it's it's like sky high but like a lot more serious where like the Justice Society of America or the old villains that the that the JSA used to fight are now running this like weird small little town. I'm a few episodes in and they have really they have really revealed why they're in this small little town or what's really going on going on. But I kind of do like the the young teenage superhero-ness of it all. Um and Luke Wilson plays her dad or stepdad and then he is also Stripesy. It used to be Stripesy who was the sidekick of Starman. And it's weird seeing Luke Wilson play like teenagers' dads because I don't I don't feel like he's that old, but he's fi- I mean he's fine. Uh, he doesn't do much television, but he, I mean he's, he's he's cool. It's not Doom Patrol or anything, but it's decent. Uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and what is getting me through this week is not a TV show. Um, it's a book series by Holly Black, who is a very good fantasy YA mostly um, author. And my sister just sent me one of her books because she thought I'd like it and to cheer me up, which, you know, in quarantine made, made me burst into tears, obviously. Um, uh, but I read uh, the first of the Folk of the Air series, um, which was called The Cruel Prince. I read it all on Saturday. Um, and then I had to order the next ones because it was really good. It's about there's uh, this like fairy civilization, but not like tiny Tinkerbells, like big guys with pointy ears and like kind of claws and horns and tails that like lives that like, you know, is hidden from humans. And um, this one fairy kidnaps like his fairy daughter and her human uh, half sisters, brings them to the fairy world and then they grow up there. And then they're like trying to make a place in there, but they've been kidnapped and like, and everyone discriminates against them because they're humans. And also like the politics are all messed up. It's, it's very interesting. And, you know, it's got a very nice uh, protagonist who's this human girl named June, which normally like the one with superpowers would be the protagonist and not the, not her sister who is just trying to make it, you know, get by. Um, so that's something that I like. Uh, and I also really like that it has all these like weird little asides that make it feel like real, like as an urban fantasy, like she has to go back to the human world to buy tampons because fairies don't, don't use them. Um, and like little stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's really cute and, um, very political intrigue and also obviously like some, some romance, some will they, won't they, I hate you, but like we're obviously going to get together kind of stuff. So I've been really enjoying it. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday. You can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show. By doing that, you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we give you a special shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send an email to mothershippod at usatoday.com. Now on to the main topic. Here's a clip. Two Virginians and an immigrant walk into a room diametrically opposed foes. 
They emerge with a compromise, having open doors that were previously closed. The immigrant emerges with unprecedented financial power, a system he can shape however he wants. The Virginians emerge with the nation's capital. And here's the piece de resistance. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one really knows how the game is played, the art of the trade, how the sausage gets made. We just assume that it happens, but no one else is in the room where it happens. That was from Hamilton. Uh, it's going to be on Disney Plus starting today. So if you didn't get to a Broadway theater to watch it yourself, you can actually watch it on your screen at home on Disney+. Plus. A lot of fans of Hamilton are very excited about this. We're here to talk about it a little bit. We're also going to talk about the 4th of July, which is tomorrow, and just talk about kind of the stuff we like to watch uh, just to celebrate Independence Day. Let's start with Hamilton, though. Brian, I believe you've watched this already. Yes, twice. What are your thoughts? Twice? Yeah, well, see, I watched it. I watched the screen. So, so inside baseball, like the embargo, review embargo was like Tuesday, and I was writing something for it. So, but the screener didn't drop until Monday. So, I watched it in the afternoon. It's three hours, it's almost three hours long. So, I watch it right up the thing. Then I watched it again with my wife. So, I've seen it twice now. So, what did you think? That was freaking awesome. And so I wrote a piece about, my piece was about how, like, for five years, I stayed away from it. Avoided, like, the soundtrack, YouTube, everything, you know, articles about it, documentaries. When I see, like, a Broadway show, I want to go to it fresh. I want to, you know, I don't want to know the songs. I don't know know what happens and everything. And that's, like, for most musicals. If I haven't seen it, I don't listen to the soundtrack. And with Hamilton especially, I feel like everybody's saying it's like this, you know, this game-changing thing. So I'm like, well, I especially don't want to ruin it for myself. So this was five years of this, by the way. Um, so it's funny because I had we had tickets. Me and my wife had tickets for the Kennedy Center show this week. And then, and then the pandemic happened. And obviously, well, you know, we weren't going to go to the show. So then they nicely moved. Not Probably not for me, but, you know, I, I'm going to say it's for me. So they moved up the theatrical release to then streaming. Because it's supposed to be a theatrical release, like, early next year. So now it's streaming because they have it all done. And, and so, yeah, I finally got to watch it. And, and it was more than I could have ever hoped. So, um, Kelly, I know that you are very familiar with Hamilton. I know you're a huge fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, how much are you looking forward to seeing this version of it? Because I know, I, I believe you've seen it in person. So, yeah, uh, you know, what, uh, how much are you looking forward to seeing this as a movie? So, um, it's, the recording of it is of the original Broadway cast. They did it, like, just before some of the people left. Um, and it's, like, two nights of a performance. They edited it together to be, like, one show. And so there's lots of different angles and zoom-ins and whatnot. So I saw it in March of 2016 uh, on Broadway, which was like, essentially my parents bought me tickets for it in October of 2015, the last point at which you could like get reasonably priced tickets, even like six months in advance, basically, because it was before it it won Grammys and then Tonys. Um, But uh, I loved it when I saw it, obviously, and I loved In the Heights, which was uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's first Broadway musical, and... I am not like Brian. I tend to listen to things before I see it because I just love soundtracks so much. But um, it was great when I saw it. I am really excited to see it, like, first again because it's fun and I love to rewatch things. And with Broadway, that's not really, 
you know, unless you can live in New York and have a lot of spare income, you can't see Broadway over and over and over again. Um, but also I didn't get to see like everything original. The actor who plays George Washington, Christopher Jackson was out and the actress who plays Angelica, uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry were both out. Um, so they had great swing performers, but you, you want to see like the thing, like the thing is the original Broadway cast and those are the voices you hear on the soundtrack and stuff. And so when it's a slightly different voice singing it, you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, and also I had partial view seats again because money. Um, so I am excited to see it not well, I was uh, I was just about to like act out how you had to crane your neck, but again, this is a podcast, so I was I was excited not to have to crane my neck, um, and I'm really excited to share it with my husband who isn't like super into musicals, and the investment in a Broadway show like this would have maybe not been wasted on him, but you know, sitting down to something we already you know pay for, um, is an easy way to get this exposed to people who maybe wouldn't be interested in it otherwise. So, Brian, as someone who just experienced this for the first time, what was it about Hamilton that you personally enjoyed? There was so much because, you know, it's it's the music's fantastic. I mean, they have so many so many genres of music that he uses. But in like the uh, dialogue's pretty much all rap. So like the musicality like moves through. I mean, there's a flow throughout the whole show that never stops. And and that that I mean really helps it move. You know, it doesn't even feel like three hours. I mean, it, it really moves along quickly. Um, but just every character is just distinct, and you know, it's it, they each come come alive in an interesting way, and you know, they tell about our history, and it's and in a really cool and very honest fashion, and you know, and some people do two characters. It's it's kind of cool because you know, David Diggs, I think he won, I think he won a Tony. Yeah. For this. Um, so he plays the Marquis de, de Lafayette in the first act. And it's like, it's a fun role. And I'm like, well, you know, I, 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 you know, this is fine. You know, I don't, is it, why is it Tony winning? Then like the second act starts and like, oh, okay. Cause he also plays Thomas Jefferson. And like, I won't even, I won't even spoil that. Cause it's like one of the best things about the, it's just like, it's so fantastic. Um, but it's just like, that's every character's like that. Every character, you know, Christopher Jackson's George Washington's just kind of like George Washington. It's like the guy you would imagine George Washington to be. And, and so, so many of the characters really kind of come alive through the original, these original cast members and like each of the story, each of the songs tell a story. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's not, you know, kind of know how it ends if you know history, but like it, you don't really know how it ends because it's, it's about much more than that. It's, it's about, you know, who who tells our story after we're gone. It, it, there's a lot of big heady themes about it. And it's just it's just magical. I mean, I don't I don't like to use the word magical a lot, but it kind of is because it's just like it like takes you to another place with the music and the characters and everything. And I, I other than like maybe Les Mis and some of the some of the other kind of big shows that I've seen, nothing nothing even comes close to it. And I, I'm I think it might be the best musical I've ever seen. I'm gonna start crying. This is like I'm so happy you got to see it. Yeah, it's like an epiphany. It's like everybody else's epiphany from five years ago. I had, you know, and I think that's kind of the neat, really neat thing about it being on on Disney Plus because there's a lot of the. I mean, and I understand a lot of a lot of Broadway shows and stuff. You know, they never get seen. You know, they get the movie versions. You get like Cats, or you get like Les Mis, or you get you know Rock of Ages that has the movie versions of it. But you you, ne- you hardly ever see kind of like the actual Broadway show 
as a movie. And I understand because they want people to keep coming back to the, you know, exorbitant prices and, you know, they want people to keep coming back to the theater. So this is a special thing, but it really shows how special it is because you do get to see the thing before it's filtered into some other adaptation. You get to see the thing that everybody loved in the first place. And on Disney Plus, it's like 50 million people are going to see the th- this, you know, the thing on that weekend. And it's just, you know, everybody's going to be able to kind of see it. And I think that's really kind of special right now. Well, you bring up an interesting point, though, because, you know, Broadway just announced that they were postponing um, performances until the end of the year. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if this is a unique to Hamilton thing or if it is feasible where you could see other Broadway performances on TV at home where because you can't see them live for yourself, there is still an opportunity for you to see a performance and get a feel for what it's like being on Broadway. And maybe that does entice someone to, you know, buy tickets to a show and go to a show because they're seeing they get, they get the theater experience at home and they realize maybe I want to go see that in person and see what that's like for real. I mean, but is that feasible? Are there shows that record in a way where they can have like kind of what Hamilton's doing, where it's like a movie that you can see at home? So fun facts, pretty much every Broadway show is recorded at some point for posterity and they are those recordings are kept in the Lincoln Center Library. But there have been lots of, not lots, but there have been a handful of other Broadway shows that have taped performances and released them in some capacity. So there is Legally Blonde did that. There's a great, if it was streaming on Netflix for a while, I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere now, but you can buy it on DVD and it's worth it. There's a great recording of the original Broadway cast of Into the Woods with Bernadette Peters um, as the witch. That is fantastic. Um, The revival of Company is recorded. Um, So it is a thing that happens. It just has to, it depends on the show and like licensing agreements and how they can make money off it. Like Lily Bond aired on MTV and like that was a big deal. But, you know, I mean, some of this stuff already exists and they do recordings for commercials and they do performances for the Tony Awards, which is a huge, like, especially when I was a kid and I couldn't go to New York to see shows all the time. That was a big, I got the snippet of it in those, in those Tony performances and held on to it as far as what I wanted to see. So there, there is theater you can see online and Andrew Lloyd Webber has been showing some of his shows for free online during the pandemic so I do think, you know, they, it's obviously they can't really go and record something now, but some of the stuff does live somewhere and it just depends on if who whoever owns it wants to release it. And I think it'll probably happen. Disney made a big decision with this Hamilton film. So it brings up two other interesting questions too. If Hamilton is successful on Disney+, Plus, do we see more Broadway performances on TV like this? Also... Is there an opportunity for Broadway to do its own thing and allow for its own kind of subscription thing where people can watch performances? Well, there is a Broadway HD channel. I think they have like Hugh Jackman's like Oklahoma, I think, and they have some other, um, you know, like like Kelly was talking about, you know, kind of like the the film productions of of things. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to like kick off a huge huge thing because it's gonna i think it's gonna be successful no matter what but i think still broadway and film are going to be two different things i think you know there is probably nothing like actually seeing the music you know the musical theater experience that is going to be unlike you know if you have a good seat 
it's going to be unlike any film you've version of it you'll ever see it's it's just it just is it's impossible to kind of recreate that totally and i think that's why a lot of why a lot of movies just kind of like do the kind of like we're going to do the movie version of this thing that you you love like a little shop of horrors or you know music man or you know many many other things so i i don't know if you're going to get like all these all these productions but i think it's it's a nice reminder to people that musical theater is special and like it is an experience like no other and i th- i think some shows i think something like this is going to be better than the movie version of it like i think like the movie version of hamilton which will probably happen one day i think would be kind of cool i don't think it's going to be this though because this mm-hmm. is like everything takes place on this one little stage i mean wars and you know and it's so much so much of of early american history takes place in this one little stage and it and it's and it's perfect the way it is you know i don't know if i want to see like the expansive hamilton movie after seeing this i i will say i'm still excited for whenever it is released the in the heights movie which yeah, is a, a movie good. adaptation you know and i think about something like that which is about essentially a group of people in a neighborhood in New York, the Washington Heights neighborhood, you know, there's, um, especially cause also I have more, there's more distance from the stage show. Um, it was in the, uh, early O's, um, or I guess the late O's. Um, but anyway, there's, there's so much that a movie can explore in terms of like filming in Washington Heights. That is something that you could never capture on the stage. They had a great, they had great sets with little bodegas. It was very cute. Um, I should say like, I should say, a better word than cute. It's not vandalizing it. It was wonderful production design. Um, but uh, there, it is really cool. Like for the trailer that I saw, which is all we've gotten from it and all we'll get for a while, um, looked really amazing and immersive. And so, you know, I like that, you know, there are two, there are different ways to, to do the art, you know, that can be in conversation with each other. So while we're on the subject of American history, Saturday is the 4th of July. A lot of us have stuff that we like to watch, do traditions, things like that on the 4th of July. But we'll stick to pop culture, some of the pop culture that we really love to watch on Independence Day. Um, Brian, let's start with you. What's kind of your favorite Independence Day movie, show, book, anything? I think it all starts and ends with Independence Day. I That's think, mine you know, too. That, yeah. is, that is the perfect thing. You know, I saw it. I saw it when I was working in Disney World. I saw it in... In the Pleasure Island Theater at twelve oh one midnight on July fourth, when it, when it came out, when it first That's came out, awesome. And that was like one of the coolest movie experiences ever, because like the subwoofers were kicked in when like the White House got destroyed, and you know it just it's it, that's all you know it's it's a little bit rah rah America a little bit you know so it's we're not quite in the, the rah rah America mode right now, but I think I think that again it, it really talks about kind of like you know, the human spirit and it's about, you know, action and, you know, taking care of our families and taking care of ourselves. And, you know, that president, Bill Pullman has like, you know, one of the greatest like presidential speeches of all time in that movie. So I, and it's just, it's just so good. And I, you know, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's called Independence Day and it's about Independence Day and it's just like, it, it captures you know, it celebrates Independence Day in a, in a in a very unhistorical way, but in a very cool way. There are so many classic performances in this movie, too, between, you mentioned Bill Pullman, but also, obviously, Will Smith, mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum, who's awesome. Terry um, Connick Jr. 
Harry Don't Connick forget Jr. him. Uh, Randy Quaid, fantastic. Um, just so many individual performances and scenes. I still remember seeing it in the theater, too, and everybody was standing up and applauding at the end when they blew up the spaceship. It was like... I mean, it was just, it was wild. I, I don't think I can ever remember, even with Avenger movies and everything else, I can't remember that kind of reaction to anything in a movie in my life. And it was just, I still remember it. I still love watching it every time it's on TV. It is like, that's my go-to for July 4th every single time. Right. Um, I did not see it in theaters, but um, I live Independence Day, and I've watched it most July 4ths of my adult life because it can be kind of introverted sometimes. And so when I don't want to be outside where it is very hot and sweaty, I tend to really like watching Independence Day. We're going to do it this year. Um, I did it one summer where I wasn't quarantined, but I was um, interning and didn't have a lot of uh, social life at the time. So I, I did a movie marathon. We're also thinking of watching Braveheart, seems just seems on theme we have we have a day off from work so you need a lot of time to watch that movie <laughs> that's that's another good one though it's funny because every time i come to this i always think of that one movie are there other tv shows movies that jump out when you think of fourth of july well it's uh, i mean there's there is 1776 which i mean i guess you could consider like the hamilton prequel um <laughs> that's that's very that's, different cast right very different very old <laughs> Um, that's kind of fun. It's very patriotic. You know, it's, it's an, it would be a nice, like, double feature with Hamilton if you were, if you were, you know, along those lines this weekend. Um, I, you know, Field of Dreams is the greatest movie of all time. And I think that is, that is, it's, it speaks to the Americana, the Americana part of, of Fourth, of the Fourth of July and about baseball. And even though baseball is not being played and it probably really shouldn't this year, I think it kind of, it, it, really gets into the kind of like why we love baseball and why it, you know and why it's kind of ingrained in in the country's soul in, a, in an interesting way so i think that's that's a that's a good another kind of like americana movie for fourth of july kelly any tv or anything else jump out at you uh tv wise there aren't a lot of fourth of july tv episodes mostly because network tv like sitcoms are the the, and some dramas are, like, the ones that really like to do holiday episodes, but they don't air over July. So there, like, isn't a corresponding, like, desire to do a 4th of July episode. But, I mean, I think especially this year, the fact that PBS always airs fireworks is really important. Experiencing 4th of July through TV is going to be important this year. There's, like, a Macy's 4th of July. Um, you can read one of a story that our awesome new intern, Jenna... Uh, wrote about like the different way things on TV, the specials and stuff you can watch to experience the fireworks and and that kind of thing. I also think of like big war movies, like The Patriot is like the same one, but like Glory, for instance, is a movie that I think of that is appropriate during this time. You see uh, bayonets, and it and it feels like a Fourth of July kind of thing. So two other things that you might want to revisit. Miracle about the um, mm-hmm. Miracle on the Ice with Kurt Russell. That's friggin' fantastic. And, on Disney Plus. Right. And uh, also on Disney Plus, Captain America, the first Avenger, which, mm. you know, Chris Evans is the, is the greatest Chris and the greatest Avenger. Um, that's a very kind of patriotic movie, but, you know, patriotic character. It's, it, things explode. It's perfect for 4th of July. And while you're on Disney Plus, why don't you just hang out there for a while? Uh, the Rocketeer. It's not exactly like 
all-American per se, but it's like it gets into a lot of interesting patriotic stuff, and it's superhero. You know, back in the World War II, back in the day, if you're gonna like double feature 1776 and Hamilton, other double features should be Rocketeer and First Avenger. I gotta say, I just watched Captain America last week, and I'm floored at how good that movie is. Even like, I think it was 2012, 2011, maybe. And that was 2011. Yeah, yeah. So it was the last one before the Avengers. Yeah, that still holds up. It is so good. I was totally. I was. I completely forgot like half that movie, and I watched it again, and I was floored. I just very good. Um, Okay, listeners, it's your turn. What are you going to watch on the Fourth of July? Are you going to watch Hamilton? Have you seen Hamilton? on Broadway or in the theater. What did you think of it? Uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod or you can tweet at us individually. I'm Matt Brevelina23. I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at K-Lols, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other folks find the show, and we really love the feedback. Um, If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, happy 4th. Nerds out. Stay inside. Bye. Wear a mask.